today, you got to buckle up because we have got our youth director, Jessica Tischer, is going to come and deliver her first Sunday message ever in this 1230 service. So we're going to clap, we're going to shout, we're going to cheer, we're going to get amen her until she doesn't know what to do anymore. So come on, why don't we give a big engaged welcome to Jessica as she comes to bring a life-giving message today. Wow, thank you guys. That is quite the welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so my name is Jess. Yeah, like Pastor Brett said. And um, so me and Clayton just recently got married. He's over there. So I'm just going to share, share a quick story. Not really a story, I guess. It's just like a little blurb. But so I'm still trying to get used to having Clayton walk in the door at any time. I'm not used to there being people that can just walk in when I'm just doing my thing, singing or whatever. And so sometimes, still when Clayton walks in, I run. And I don't know why, but I run. And I find hiding spots. I, it just happens. So, like, kind of what I'm, so I just run and I hide. And, like, the one day I was, like, hiding, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I here? I, I, like, I was sitting in the bedroom and I ran all the way into our bathroom somehow. I don't know how. And then Clayton walks in, and of course, I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> like, I wasn't doing anything, even though he probably definitely heard me running. You've probably heard me running, haven't you? Yeah, it's a little embarrassing. Not on purpose, though. <laughs> so I'm the flight person. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard the fight or the flight. I'm the flight, obviously. Clayton comes into the door, and I book it. I'm out of there. So I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about that today, about the, the fleeing instead of facing our fears, because I'm a fleer. And so we're all, I feel like we're all searching for something. We all have things that we want in our lives, things that we desire to be filled. And sometimes we'll go on social media and we'll see people posting all these pictures, all these like lovely vacations are going on. And I'm like, oh, I want to go on a vacation, even though I did go on one, but <laughs> I just went on my honeymoon. It's true. But I want to go again. <laughs> That's the point. So we see people posting all these things and their life looks great. And then it makes us want that as well. Like we want that. So often when we reach out to God, we're like, God, can I have that? I want that. Like, give me something. He gives us the things that we don't necessarily ask for. Like, sometimes he gives us the things that we were like, no, God, that's definitely for some, someone else. Like, sometimes I prayed to God, and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that was not from God. That was just my brain, because I don't want to do that. That's not where I want to go. That's not what I want to do with my life. Or else we feel too much. Sometimes we come to God and we feel too convicted. We feel too much pain because of all of the things that we've been holding inside of us. That when we come before him, it's all brought to the surface again. And sometimes it just feels like it's torturing us. Like it's mocking us. Every time we come before God, it feels like it's mocking us. And I felt that. I felt that before. And it wasn't just one event, but it was one thing after another. And it just kept happening and happening and happening. And sometimes it just doesn't seem to end. It feels like it just follows us around. The pain just keeps coming. The circumstances that bring us pain just keep happening to us, and we can't get a break. Sometimes it feels like that. And we go before God knowing that we should worship, but sometimes we just can't bring ourselves to that place of worship because everything around us just feels like it's breaking down, or it feels like it's just tearing that Band-Aid off that we've tried to keep putting down. And this happened to me. I felt like my entire world was completely falling apart. And every time I went to worship, all those things that I was ignoring came back to the front of my attention again. 
there's a lot of pain in this world, and it can feel like it's torturing us. And we don't understand why a God so big would let us feel something so painful and torture us so much. So I'm just going to read um, from, from Job 19. He was feeling tortured. Everything around him was falling apart. His life, he felt, it felt like torture to him. It was just one thing after another after another. Everything was getting taken away from him. And he says in verse, Job 19, verse 2, he says, How long will you torture my soul and break me into pieces? His soul is being tortured. And sometimes it doesn't just feel like the pain is ever going to end. And when there's finally a light, there feels like there's more pain. And he goes on later in this verse, later on in verse 6, and he says, Know then that God has wronged me. So he feels like God has wronged him. Have you ever felt that way? That what happened or is happening to you is surely wrong? That God has wronged you? Now I'm going to flip back a little bit to Job's life and give some context to why he feels so tortured. So he came from a land of Uz, and I tried to find where this land was, and you can't find it. Nobody knows where it was. <laughs> so it's just somewhere. It could have been here. We don't really know. <laughs> somewhere far away, I'm sure, though. And it says that, <clears throat> oh, yeah. So it says that he was blameless, upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So blameless. He was a man of integrity and devoted to God. And upright indicates how honest and righteous he was. So he rejected he rejected all wickedness and pursued only God. All his characteristics were ordained and God honored thing. Everything he did was for God. He did nothing. He never did any sins purposely. Everything was for God. And every time he did something that he thought could possibly be offensive to God, he right away went and sacrificed and covered his butt. <laughs> it then says that he had seven daughters and three sons. And he owed them seven thousand and he owned seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So the, this number is considered the ideal family in these times. Seven and three were very were numbers that you can see as a symbol of completeness in the Bible. And they're also very prominent numbers to show just how blessed he was. So he was very blessed because even his children and his livestock, everything involved these numbers. And they symbolized just how blessed he was. See, the ratio is everywhere. And as it states, he was the greatest man among the people of the East. He was the greatest in terms of wealth, family, and integrity at this time. He had it all going for him. He had all the things. He was doing all the things. He had it all going for him. It even says that he would wake up in the morning just to offer burnt offerings for every single one of his children. Just in case there was a chance that one of them had sinned without knowing it. So he was waking up early, and do, sacrificing one sacrifice for every single child. And he didn't even know if they'd sinned. That is pretty crazy for me. Because I work at a coffee shop and I see people right in the morning. I'm pretty sure they didn't come from blessing their children. I mean, maybe some of them, but some of them definitely did not. <laughs> Emily knows because she works with me, and sometimes, sometimes they did not. It's like, I, I don't know why, but that was, that was his focus. Like, his focus was that. He did everything he could to make sure that he was blessing. Everything he did and everything he did was God-ordained. He was committed. 
Now, I, I read through this passage, so I know that there's a lot of things that are going to happen to Job, but Job doesn't know that. He doesn't know that any of these things are going to happen to him, and he has no idea why any of this stuff would ever happen to him. Because he's doing everything right. He's got it all going for him. He has no idea. And this just goes to show us that no matter how put together your life is, or even how sinful your life is, pain can happen to anyone. God doesn't just choose the holiest person or the person who's already going through a lot of pain to inflict more pain on. He doesn't do that. Everything that happens in this scripture had a purpose. And God never once left Job, even though Job felt like he was alone. And everything around him left him. So I'm going to dig into the story a little bit. So basically what happens is one day all of the angels come before God and you know, Satan mosey on in there as well. He comes up as well. He's basically, he just roams around. He's roaming around trying to see if there's any, anything that he could get in, any trouble he could get into, basically. And he comes before God, and God says, where have you come from? Why are you here? And he just says, oh, you know, I'm just roaming around, looking for stuff. And then God, God to- points to him. He's like, well, look at my servant Job. Look at him. He's righteous, he's holy, and he's, he's following me. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. But Satan's just like, huh. well, of course he is because he has all of the things. He has everything he wants. He's so blessed. Anyone who's blessed would easily be that happy and be willing to sacrifice to you and be devoted to you that much. That's what he says to him, which, you know, makes sense. Makes sense why he would say that. So he's basically, he's like a prosecutor in a courtroom, in my mind. He's like roaming the earth just to find something that he can accuse. And he's taking all these little things that he can find, and he's like, oh, this, this, this. This is why he's serving you. This is why he's doing this. So he figures that the reason he's he's thankful and loyal is just because of his blessings. So God says, fine. Everything is in your power, but you can't physically harm him. So Satan takes this real seriously. And so Job's just having a normal day, just like a normal guy. He's just, you know, farming his land, I don't know, telling his servants to do stuff. I don't know what he does. But he's just doing his thing, and he gets this first servant comes running to him. And he says, the Sabians attacked and made off with all the ox and donkeys that were gazing. So he just lost a big portion of all of the all of the animals that he has. And before he's even ready to process that and even finish saying that, the second servant comes in and says, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and all the servants. He was the only one who managed to escape. So there's a fire, so his livestock's gone, his sheep are gone. He's just, he's losing a lot. Then the third servant comes, before he's even done talking about that either, and he says the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and left with all of the camels. So now he has no livestock, he has no animals, it's all gone. That's not it. That's not all of it. Then the fourth servant comes, and he says, While his sons and daughters were all feasting together, at the oldest brother's house, a mighty wind suddenly swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, causing it to collapse, and all of them died. And he says he barely made it out. So now he went from having literally everything to losing everything. He, ha- he lost his family. He lost all of his wealth. It's all gone. All of his animals... It's all gone. That is a day. That is quite the day. (laughs) Bad Mondays, right? (laughs) 
So to keep in mind that at this point, Job has no idea what is going on. He probably hasn't even processed the fr- like anything that's happened, and it's all just piled up. All these, ser- these servants have come to him. There's only four of them left now at this point. The rest of them have all been stuck in some of these terrible tragedies. And this is how he responds. Oh, somehow my laptop flipped upside down. There we go. Okay. Oh, no, I lost my spot. Oh, then Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He did not sin or charge God with wrong. So still, even though he just lost everything, and he has no, no idea what's happening, he has no idea why, he probably feels like God is doing this to him, he has no idea why this is happening, he says, blessed be your name, you gave me these things, and I'm thankful for that, and now you can take them away, because you're the one who's given them to me. That's pretty incredible. That would not be my response. <laughs> and after this, Satan goes before God again, because again, he's trying to find all this evidence he can find. And he says, oh, well, you know, he's just, he's just thankful because you didn't do anything to his health. Because he's physically, he- physically well. That's why he's okay with this. That's what he says. So God says, okay, very well. But you must spare his life. So he's not allowed to kill him. But he's like, okay. You can, if you think that's why he's still my faithful servant is because his health is still okay. Then you can go and do that. So what does Satan do? He gives Job all these painful sores all over his body from the soles of his feet all the way to the top of his head. And what does Job do? He just takes a piece of pottery and scrapes the bottom of his feet and he sticks them in the ashes. So he's doing this to just relieve the pain and probably open the sores up so that they can heal. So finally, by this point, his wife pipes up, which, by the way, I was wondering where she was in all of this. I didn't know if she was in the house or where in the burning land. I wasn't sure. But she's here still. So she's just being tortured as well by association, which is pretty terrible. But she's here. And she pipes up and she says, and she's just like, why don't you curse God's name and just die? It's like, just curse his name and die. Because she can't handle this pain anymore. She's like, this is too much. Just let it go. Just curse his name and die. And she doesn't understand, but he's trying to maintain his integrity still, even though all of these things are happening to him. And he just replies to her in verse 10, and he says, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept the good from God and not the trouble? So still Job does not sin. By this point, as one would be, Job was in great suffering. And he had no idea why any of this was happening still to this point. And at this point, though, Satan is still, he's still there, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's going to curse God. He's for sure going to curse God now. He lost his health. He lost everything he has. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And this can be an example of God uses, can use Satan and the things that can torment us to make us better people, to make us better saints. Because Job was a better saint. Because all those things happened, he still, he had to choose. He could have flown and been like, yeah, I'm out of here, man, and just cursed God's name and died. But he didn't. He's like, I'm going to face it, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying that Satan's going to do all these things to you, because I would never wish any of these things on anyone. But 
There is lots of pain and there's lots of darkness and dark times in this world. Job felt it. And I'm sure we've all had pains of our own. What I want to point out from this story, though, is that Job went through the ringer and suffered and suffered in almost every aspect he could. He even had the people in the town telling him, oh, just curse God's name. So they weren't even on his side anymore. His own wife was like, just curse God. She wasn't even on his side anymore. But he decided that he would rather face it than flee it. He faced Satan instead of running and caving to him. And it was worth it. The trials and things of this world can be so, so hard, but the reward at the end is so much worth it. And Job saw that. Because of his his torture, we can learn from him and be encouraged in our own painful times. Being a Christian is not easy. And I know there were times in my life where I felt like leaving and that it would be so much easier to not be a Christian and not pursue what God has called me to do than it would be to just do what he called me to do. Because what he was calling me to do just seemed too big for me. It seemed like too much, too much pain, too hard. And unlike Job, when my world became crashing down, I tried to run. And there was a semester while I was, while I was at Vanguard where I took a break from school, and in that break, I was like, I'm never going back. I'm never doing that again, because it was too hard to follow what God had wanted me to do. It was too hard, and I don't want to ever do that again. And I was like, it's way easier if I just do my own thing, and I don't go back to school, and I don't do what God had called me to do. It's way easier. And it only lasted a semester. (laughs) Because it was such a dark time, and I felt so, so alone. And so everything, it seems like it will be easier, but it's not. I truly believed that if I fled, it would be easier. But sometimes those things in our life that stop us and cause us pain and feel too, feel too big for us are the things that can help us later on down the road. And I thought that I, I thought before I took the semester off, I thought that I knew exactly what God had called me to do, exactly what he wanted to do with my life, and I had my heart set on it. And then one day when he decided to change the path a little bit, and circumstances led me to do different things than what I wanted to do, I wanted to run. But when I, when I took that semester off, I became bitter and angry, and I resented God, and I was like, why would you do this to me? I chose to flee from the changes in my life rather than to face them. I thought that it would be easier. My life felt like it had no purpose. When I chose to go against God, there was, there was no light. There was nothing that I could look forward to. And the bitterness that I started to harbor just became worse and worse and worse. And it took me years to get over some of that bitterness that I had in my heart against God. And I'm still trying to work on it sometimes. I still have to ignore it and try and get over it sometimes. And Job could have just cursed God's name and died. But what good would that have done? What would he have gotten out of that? What would that have changed about his life? The only way he could change the series of terrible events is by clinging to God as he did. When I started to dig into God, it hurt. And every time I worshipped, all of that stuff that I had pushed away came to my focus again. And that's all I could see again. And it was like ripping the band-aid off every single time. And I felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough anymore. 
And it wasn't until I dug in even farther and kept facing those things that were torturing me that they stopped to torture me as much. And what I mean by that is the pain of this world never stops hurting. It's just now we have a, a way of coping with it and a way of making it manageable, a way that we can actually deal with the pain now. And worshiping God was so hard, but as I faced that pain and pushed through it, it stopped hurting so much. It says in scripture that there is a time for everything, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. If we don't face the hard times in our life and weep with God and mourn with God, through those times, we will miss the times where we could laugh and dance in the meantime. If Job would have cursed God's name, he wouldn't have stopped and thanked God and noticed all of the blessings God had on him. He stopped and he looked at all of the blessings that God had placed in his life. And I titled this sermon, Face It, Don't Flee It, because fleeing our pain, fleeing new obstacles God placed in our lives, and or maybe fleeing believing God or fleeing where God has called us and wants us to go can seem like the easiest way out, but it's not. Time without God is a thousand times harder than it is to just face the things that he has placed in front of us again. So never again will I choose to flee from challenges, pain, or things God has placed in front of me. I will face them because a life with God is worth living, but a life without him has no purpose. So I challenge you guys all to, e to evaluate and see if there's any things that you're fleeing in your life, any ways that you're trying to run and not face, face the things in your life. And uh, I think it was like a month ago, one of my best friends, her mom passed away. And it was terrible to see. It was awful. But a couple months before that, my mom had a brain tumor and almost died. She almost died. And I remember the doctors telling me, they're like, we're not sure if she's going to make it. We're praying, but we don't know if she'll actually make it. But my mom did make it. But because of the fact that my mom almost didn't make it, I was able to know what my friend was feeling. So because of that pain, I was able to relate to her and be like, I, I understand. I mean, I didn't understand completely because my mom is still alive. But I was able to relate to her in a way that I never would have been able to. So if I would have fled and been like, God, you obviously don't love me because my mom is dying. I would have never been able to help my friend in the way that I could have helped her. And been the support that I needed to be for her in that time. So I'm just going to read to you the very end of Job. Because there's a lot more that happens in Job. It's a good book if you guys want to read it. But I'm just going to skip to the end, the very end, in verse 42, verses 12 to 13. And it says, The Lord blessed the later part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. So before he had 7,000. Now he has 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels. He had 3,000 before. 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven more sons and three more daughters. And it says his daughters were the most beautiful daughters in all the land. After this, after the end of this chapter, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. So God blessed him abundantly. Now it's not every time we struggle that we will come out and see our blessings here on earth like this. But we have the faith in God that shows us that even if we don't see the reward here on earth as Job did, God is walking life, walking through life with us, and there's a reward later for us. Yeah, so God's power gives us the strength to face it. 
And he gave Job the strength to face it as well. So I'm just going to let the band take it away now. And I want you guys to just think about things in your life, like I mentioned before, that you need to face them. Or things that you can face with God rather than fleeing them.